Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Running Podcast with me, Lee Bradbury. This is the place where we cover everything from injury prevention and strength training, all the way through to how to just become a better runner and avoid the risk of injury and therefore run pain-free. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the Pain-Free Running Podcast. Um, Today I want to take the time just to talk about how to start running basically so for those that have never ran before or fairly new to it um especially during this lockdown period where you're probably going to be thinking i haven't got the gym i haven't got access to other avenues of being able to exercise so i'm going to try and do a bit more running or get into running for the first time so i want to just go through some some s- simple steps to allow you to get into running minimize the risk of injury minimize the risk of getting those niggles and pains and obviously allow you to enjoy running for the great sport that it is. So before we dive into that, obviously, like I said, this is the first episode of the podcast. So I wanted to just give a bit of a background on what pain-free running is, who I am, all that good stuff. So pain-free running started out of the need for more injury prevention, prehab, strength and condition education that seems to be lacking in the running world. You look at things like runner's world, etc. They go through the same exercises, same body weight movements, glute bridges, sidewalks, all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yet we seem to still be getting injured. Uh, running is still considered one of the most injurious sports out there. So there's something that needs to be addressed and, and more needs to be done to make sure that runners understand that whilst it is a fairly simple sport to get into, there's a lot more to it than just going out for a run. Um, as frustrating as that might sound to some people. So pain-free running started out of the, the need that I've, from my experience of coaching clients, um, is that <clears throat> lots of runners out there tend to be dealing with pain or niggles and ignoring them, not kind of engaging in the uh, elements such as strength training to obviously address this pain and the reason it's happened in the first place. We tend to seem to opt more for things that just mask that pain, whether it be foam rollers, uh, insoles in our shoes or shoes themselves we like to blame all these simple things that we can just change or take away rather than understanding that it may be down to the way our body moves our experience with strength uh, imbalances between left and right there's a lot more to it than that so so the whole aim of pain-free running is to uh, encourage runners to engage in more assessments in terms of range of motion mobility uh, stability, single leg-sided strength, single uh, upper body-sided strength, uh, and other elements such as fitness testing, so that we kind of understand a bit more about you as a runner, and therefore are able to cater training, prehab, strength, all that good stuff, to allow you to make sure you get the best out of the running itself. Um, so that's kind of the pain-free running and what it's about. In terms of myself, um, obviously my name's Lee, uh, I've been a a runner since I was about seven years old, uh, started in fun runs at a young age uh, and progressed through sort of middle distance competitive running in terms of 5Ks, 10Ks, cross country, 3000 meter steeplechase while I was in the military uh, to a pretty high level, including winning a few championships um, and then kind of just naturally progressed more towards ultra distance runs, um, having completed a few races like the Spine Challenger. Um, which is 110 miles that I've done mile for the Sabre in the Sahara Desert, the Coastal Challenge in Costa Rica, uh, and some more local fell races like Lakes and Day 50 Miler, um, Coniston Marathon just uh, a few weeks ago. 
So I've built up quite a bit of experience of running myself. Um, but also, I absolutely love strength training. I love training in the gym. I've been lifting weights since I was 16. So again, I've amassed quite a, a lot of experience in terms of gym um, from doing your typical bro bodybuilding sessions, you know, chest and back, thighs, all this sort of splits um, from when I was younger to doing CrossFit and competing at CrossFit at a reasonable level, um, you know, focusing on building strength in the Olympic lifts, squats, deadlifts, all that good stuff, to also understanding uh, how strength uh, is, is massively important to run performance and injury prevention and obviously catering that to runners, whether that's they've got access to minimal equipment or access to a full gym suite, <clears throat> but just getting runners to understand that actually there is a little bit more to running than just running, as much as we all love it for that simplicity. Uh, so on top of that experience, I've also uh, been coaching for just over 10 years. Um, so I'm a qualified running coach, a qualified strength and conditioning coach, qualified personal trainer, qualified functional movement screen, uh, and also qualified nutritionist. So again, I've amassed quite a lot of qualifications over the last sort of 10 years or so. Uh, and, and yeah, been building up the experience of coaching athletes, specifically runners that are in pain uh, of any discipline, any um, sort of training experience level, beginners all the way through to advanced. Like I said, anything from 5k runners all the way up to ultra marathon runners. So that's a little bit about me and pain-free running. So let's dive into today's topic then. So like I said, we're going to look at uh, how to start running. So some of the sort of tips um, and, and sort of hints that you want to be paying attention to to get you started in this running. Because there's quite a minefield of articles and information out there. So I was hoping to try and keep this relatively simple and concise. Just the, the key points that you need to worry about and then the rest will just take care of itself. So the first one we want to look at is footwear. Now, obviously, the first thing we're going to do if we want to pick up running is hopefully go and get ourselves a pair of running shoes, which is can be a minefield in itself. I mean, there's so many brands out there now. There's so many um, different types of models of shoe within each brand. Some are road, some are trail, some are fell, some are grippy, some are not. Uh, some are flat, some have got carbon uh, insoles. There's, there's so much out there. It can be quite confusing when you're just about to get into running in terms of what shoe is best for you. Now you can obviously go to certain stores um, that will allow you to do a kind of a gait analysis. So they'll kind of watch you run on a treadmill uh, and analyze how your feet and ankles move to allow you to sort of pick the best shoe that's gonna give you the most support. Now, this can be helpful for some people, so I'm certainly not saying you don't need to get that. However, for most of you, all you need to worry about when you get a running shoe is that it fits well and is comfortable, all right? And it's simple as that. <clears throat> so have a look at some shoes that are within your price range from a couple of different brands, just so you get a bit of different idea of how different brands fit. Um, so brands like Asics, Brooks, and Saucony are kind of really good for those who run majority of their stuff on road. Um, if you're looking at trails, again, those brands will still produce some decent trail versions of their road shoes. But if you're then kind of going more into kind of fell and, and real boggy terrains and mountains, then you can look at brands like Innovate, Salomon, uh, VJ. Again, there's, there's lots of different ones out there. They're just some starting points. But like I said, the main point you want to focus on is that the shoe fits you well. All right? It's snug to the foot. Don't feel like you've got any excessive movement within there and it feels comfortable when you have a little walk around in it. 
obviously like i said depending on the terrain you're going on will obviously influence the type of shoe you get so that's another way just to discount stuff like i said if you're just on road any road shoe will do um yes there's ones out there for overpronation supination neutral etc etc but you'll understand if that particular type of motion control as it were works for you just by trying it on if you have a high arch and you find that having a more of a sort of excessive pronation shoe helps you because it, if you walk in them, it feels comfortable, doesn't feel like it's rubbing on the inside of your arch, then that shoe's good for you. Unfortunately, the only way you're gonna truly know if a shoe works for you is to, to actually go out and run in it. So there is a bit of trial and error in there, but if you walk into a, short, a shop and try on a few different ones, pick the one that feels the most comfortable and fits well within your price range, I'd say you're off to a pretty good start. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. But having a good set of shoes is <clears throat> obviously quite important. In terms of injuries, so there's lots of research out there that kind of has discredited the whole sort of um, uh, idea that different types of shoes cause injuries or heel striking, forefoot striking, the minimalist barefoot footwear and all that sort of stuff is better for you. There's no evidence to suggest any of that. So again, just I know I'm sort of harping on here, just go off what feels good for you, okay? If anyone out there says that this is the best shoe for everyone, then they're talking rubbish, they're generalizing too much, everyone's individual in terms of how they move and their, their feet. So like I said, you need to try it on and make the decision for yourself. All right, so that's footwear. Uh, so from there, obviously we've got the footwear. Now we need to understand why we want to run, all right? So people talk about motivation. Uh, they're not motivated to do things, you know, they struggle with motivation. All right, now again, there's lots more sort of uh, evidence and research coming out in terms of how motivation actually is a moot point in terms of if you're not motivated it's nothing to do with you lacking motivation it's more to do with the fact that what you're trying to get yourself to do is something that you don't want to do or you don't have any emotional investment into doing it in the first place so we call this finding your why so you need to understand why are you running what, what are you doing it for and realistically, it wants to be something that's a bit more uh, sort of deeper on an emotional level to allow you to make sure that when times get hard, you're going to stick with it. So it could be that, you know, you've put on weight, you want to lose weight because it allow you to have a better quality of life. It will allow you to, you know, sort of play around with your kids and things like that or just not get out of breath doing day to day tasks. All right. It could be that. You've always wanted to try running, but injuries and things like that have, have, have stopped you from doing it, or you just find that every time you do start it, you start to get these niggles and pains. So that emotional investment could be just getting to the point of addressing those issues so it allows you to run pain-free. It could be a specific race that you've always wanted to do or a certain distance that you've always wanted to achieve and you've never thought you'd be able to do it. So again, you've got that little bit more of a deeper understanding and emotional um sort of grasp on why you want to achieve it rather than just going oh well i've seen someone else do this or i've seen someone do this on social media or someone on social media says i should do this because again it's not something that you really really want it's something you're doing because someone else has told you to or you think that's what you should be doing because everyone else around you is doing it so as soon as times get harder it's going to make it much harder for you to stick to that schedule of, of run program and obviously keep going to allow you to get the results that you deserve so set some goals and set your why. Why are you doing what you are doing, all right? From there, obviously we've understood now 
we've got the shoes, we've got some goals, we need a program. So structured training is always the best way to train. Now, yes, more experienced runners will be able to understand their bodies a bit more, go off field, adapt programs, play around it. I do it myself. However, as a beginner, a structured routine is going to be one of the best ways to allow you to, one, build up gradually, two, keep the consistency, and three, guarantee some results. So if you're new to running, Couch to 5K apps are probably one of the best places to start. It starts off with nice, easy walk-run combos, building up gradually to running longer and longer and longer unbroken with the goal of building up to that 5K distance, which is a great distance to start off with uh, if you're new to running. So uh, there's loads out there. I'm not going to recommend any specific ones. All right, You can easily go on the app stores and you'll see the most popular ones and therefore give that a try. But as I said, they're all much of a muchness. They all follow a similar protocol of building up gradually uh, so that it allows your body to adapt as you go, therefore minimizing the risk of injury, all that good stuff. Um, but if we're not going to follow a structured program, then I'll reiterate those points. Build up slowly. All right. So in terms of weekly mileage, how many miles per week you're covering across however many runs you're doing, build up slowly. All right. There's a thing out there that's called the 10% rule where it says don't uh, increase your weekly mileage more than 10% per week. So if you did 10 miles in week one, then obviously you would increase that by one mile the following week and do 11. Okay. Now it's not, it's not an exact science. Some people can handle much quicker increase in volume. Some may even need a little bit less increase in volume. All right. But the key is build it up gradually and listen to your body. If your body starts to feel again, some niggles or pains coming through. Yes, obviously there could be other issues at play, but one of the biggest uh, injury risk factors is doing too much too quickly, i.e. doing too big of an increase in weekly mileage, running too fast, increasing distances of a single run too quickly for your body to adapt to. So take your time with it. All right, you will get fitter just by consistently running. You don't need to be smashing out loads and loads of miles and loads and loads of runs each week in the beginning. All right, remember we're talking about health and longevity here as well. So build up gradually, take your time with it. Okay, um, from there then. So we've got the program now. We understand why we're doing it. We've got hopefully a good pair of shoes. Now, just a couple of quick sort of uh, last bits to really focus on to make sure you can keep this running going in the long term. Now, first one is consistency. You can have the best program in the world, but if you're not consistent with your training, then you're not going to get those results. Okay, so whether that's running three times a week, four times a week, five times a week, it doesn't matter as long as you do it consistently over time. That's going to guarantee those results and that's going to guarantee you sticking and developing those habits and routines over time. Okay, so you don't need any fancy programs. You don't need hill sprints, tempo work, all this sort of stuff in the beginning. You just need to build up some consistent getting outside and going for a nice, easy, comfortable run and building up the ability to do that for an extended period of time, whatever your goals may be. All right, and do that consistently. Try and do it over a month, two months. The more consistent you are, the easier it will be to keep that routine going. So then when we do potentially start splicing in some tougher sessions, hills, tempos, intervals, all that good stuff, again, it shouldn't feel too difficult to start adding that stuff in because we've already got that nice habit and routine of just going out and enjoying running. So consistency is always the number one governing principle in terms of getting those results. So last two pieces then, are what else should we be doing on top of our running? So Yes, running's great. It's super simple to get into. We just put one foot in front of the other. All right. Yes, there's obviously some elements of technique to running, but on the whole, our bodies tend to adapt to the technique that's most efficient for us. Um, 
So it's quite a simple sport to get into. Now, obviously, like I said before, it's quite uh, high in terms of injury risk. So one of the first things that you can do to help minimize that on top of the points I've just gone through is making sure we do a proper warm up. So taking the time to build up the heart rate, the blood flow, oxygen, all that good stuff around the body and doing a few basic mobilizations to allow the joints to become more supple and, and warmed up and also just to prep the muscles for the work that we're going to do. So you should be doing a warm up every single time before you go for a run. And when I say a warm up, running slowly before then going for a slightly faster run is not a warm up. That is part of it, but it should be a lot more in detail than that. So I'm not saying you need to take a long, long time to do it. You want five to 10 minutes at best for a warm up, but it should have a few other elements to it than just going out for a little bit of an easy jog to start with. So we want to start off with, like I said, some dynamic mobility. So that can be things like leg swings, arm swings, maybe a few lunges, a few squats, or if you're really restricted in terms of your range of motion, maybe doing some more uh, sort of dynamic stretch mobility work on top of that. But a good place to start, like I said, is just some forward leg swings, some side leg swings, some walking lunges, some arm circles. Just remember, we want to mobilize the upper body as well to make sure we keep good posture. Uh, and then doing some things like butt kicks, toe flicks, high knees. So then obviously prep the specific muscles that we're going to be using before we start going to the running. And all along the way, this is building up that pulse and that, that heart rate slowly over time and allowing that blood flow to get to the working muscles as we go through it. There's lots of different ways you can warm up. Again, there's no kind of best way to warm up. We just want to include some key things, like I said, building up the pulse rate, doing some mobility work, and then doing some specific drills or movements before we go into the run itself. Again, five to 10 minutes is all you need, but you need to do it. All right, so again, I'll post some links, some uh, videos uh, for warm-ups and stuff in the show notes for this uh, or at the bottom of the YouTube video so you can have an idea of what a warm-up potentially could look like. All right, so we've got the warm-up. We go out for our run. Now we need to cool down. So again, cool down isn't necessarily as big of a deal from an injury prevention uh, perspective, but it is really good in terms of a recovery perspective. So remember, running is purely the stimulus to the body to allow us to uh, create change in the body. However, recovery and rest is where that change actually takes place. So a cool down, think of that as a bit of a way to kickstart that recovery process. All right. We have two elements to our nervous system, i.e. what controls everything within the body linked to the brain. Um, and one of those is what's called the rest and digest mode. One of them is called the fight or flight mode. When we go out for a run, it's a stress to the body. So the body kicks into that fight or flight mode, releases certain hormones like adrenaline, etc., to allow us to obviously conquer the task and then obviously get back into that rest and digest mode. Now, sometimes if we don't do a proper cool down, we can kind of extend the duration of how long we stay in that fight or flight mode, even after we've ran. So therefore, you're delaying that recovery process from kicking in. And if you're kind of a person who trains more in the evenings, that could potentially also affect your sleep, which is one of the best ways to make sure we get adequate recovery is to get good sleep. So by doing a cool down, just focus on doing a little bit of a slow pulse lower. So going for a little bit of a slower jog or walk for a few minutes after you've finished your main session, followed by a few static stretches or even some foam rolling where we just focus on real good, slow, steady breathing. That kickstarts that process, sends some signal to the brain to say, yep, yeah, we've dealt with the stress. Now we can go into that rest and digest mode within the nervous system. So like I said, two to three minutes, 
five minutes at best for your cool down, like I said, just a pulse lowering phase and then some static stretches covering things like your calves, your hamstrings, your quads, okay? So again, we're not doing the static stretches to improve flexibility, okay? Because there's limited information that says that that actually takes place, all right? But we're just doing it to more allow us to focus on the breathing element. So we're not worried about flexibility or anything like that. I know some people go, well, we don't need to static stretch. Yeah, that is true to a degree. I just find it's a real easy way for you to do something and then just focus on slowing that breathing down and getting it back to a controlled manner, in through the nose, out to the mouth, which helps switch us into that rest and digest mode. So I have three or four stretches, 10 to 20 second holds on each stretch per side is all you need. You don't need to be doing loads and loads of time on them. You don't need to do a minute per side or anything like that. Just short brief stretches uh, to allow us, like I said, cool down adequately. So we've got that. We've done our run. We've done the warm ups. We've done the cool downs. We've got our goals. We've got some hopefully some good footwear. We're pretty much there in terms of what you need as a beginner. All right, you're sticking to your program, you've got that consistent training, you're loving it, you're enjoying the results that you've seen already, you're getting fitter, you're feeling less out of, out of breath um, in terms of that general day-to-day -day activities. So why is running so injurious? Now, one of the big things with running is that people don't understand is that every time you take a step, so running is a series of single steps or single leg jumps, Every time one foot hits the ground, you are potentially absorbing up to three or four times your own body weight in that leg. So up through the, the ankles, the knees, the hips, all the way up through to the core. You're absorbing huge amounts of impact forces on each leg, hundreds if not thousands of times when you go out for a run. So obviously our muscles and our joints need to be strong enough and stable enough to handle those forces, distribute them around the body adequately, and make sure that we have a balance of strength and range of motion across the whole body so that no one area or muscle or joint is doing more than it should or more than somewhere else, okay? That's why we find a lot of injuries happen is because people lack the strength or the stability or just the range of motion that running demands from the body. And equally then, if we do too much too quickly in terms of our running programming itself, then obviously if we don't have that prerequisite strength, then those, those sort of uh, imbalances are going to get exacerbated even more. So the last key point then that I would really implore all beginner runners to make sure they start doing from the beginning, all right, is to make sure they do some form of strength training, okay? So when we say strength work, we mean building the ability of your muscle to handle force and generate force, okay? That allows them to build robust um, ligaments and tendons, which helps stabilize the joints, improves bone density. So again, handle the impact on a sort of even deeper level, especially on things like roads and pavements where they're quite sort of high impact on the body. Um, and also identify any weaknesses, whether it's single leg weaknesses or left and right weaknesses or imbalances and address those through proper structured strength training. All right, it doesn't need to be super complex. And obviously we want to focus on more run specific elements. So single leg work is probably one of the first ports of call you want to look at. So things like lunges, split squats, rear foot elevated split squats, single leg glute bridges. They're some of the key exercises that you want to put into a strength program. And obviously as a beginner, doing them body weight to start with is absolutely fine, especially if you've never done any strength work before you'll have loads and loads of a sort of uh, a capacity to improve from just doing body weight movements and exercises. But the key is to master the technique over time, all right, and build up the rep scheme slowly. 
once we've got some of those body weight exercises down, we'll obviously then hit a plateau in terms of developing strength on those exercises. Remember, we're talking about producing force. So to progress our strength training, we do need to include external loads, whether that's through resistance bands, dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells, all that good stuff. We need to constantly challenge the body and the muscles to get stronger, to enable to ha- us to handle the amount of volume of running that we're going to be doing, especially as we get more into it, we get that bug, we start incre- increasing that weekly mileage, we therefore need to make sure we're doing adequate strength and prehab work to, to allow us to do that. All right, The more you run, the more you're going to highlight these imbalances and strength issues. All right, so therefore, the more important that stuff becomes, hence why pro athletes and all that stuff do this on a regular basis. Okay, Good enough for them, it's good enough for us. So single leg work, keep the reps relatively small. Yeah, six to eight per leg, at best maybe 10 reps per leg, right? So we're focusing on more strength and hypertrophy rather than kind of muscular endurance as it were, or where people are doing circuits of you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 reps as a movement. Okay, you get your muscular endurance from going running, all right? You don't need to do any extra muscular endurance work on things like squats, lunges and stuff. We want to build strength and stability. Therefore, we want to make sure that the movements are challenging enough and we're using external weights so that they're difficult for sets of six to eight, maybe 10 reps per leg, per side, whatever exercise you're doing. Don't be afraid to add a bit of weight in there. You're not going to get bulky. It's really, really hard to put on huge amounts of mass unless you're in a massive calorie surplus, i.e. eating way, way more calories than your body needs, all right? So most people tend to be kind of maintenance or in a deficit anyway without even realizing. So like I said, when you see bodybuilders and all that stuff getting absolutely huge lifting weights, that's because they're also taking huge amounts of calories, okay? So I've been running, uh, like I said, since uh, since seven or eight years old. I've been in the gym since I'm 16. Uh, and again, I've lifted weights that entire time, even doing ultra runs and things like that. And I've not gotten any bigger um, and certainly not seen any uh, reduction in performance on my runs. If not, it's only helped me run faster because I've built more strength in the legs to allow me to hit those higher speeds. So don't be afraid to do strength training because you're worried about getting bigger or getting slower. Okay, it, you've got to do a lot of work to be able to hit that. Okay, um, so yeah, so there's only benefits to strength training. There are no negatives as a runner. Obviously, there's points of diminishing returns. I.e., we don't need to be getting to the point where we're lifting powerlifting style weights. Um, you know, you don't need huge amounts of weight on there unless you enjoy lifting it, which I do. Um, but you need to be challenging the body. Um, you know, you want to be moving at least sort of half your body weight on some of these exercises just so that you've got, again, prerequisite strength to be able to then uh, meet the demands of the body that you get when you run. Um, so that's your strength work. OK, so we pretty much covered everything that you need in the beginning to start running. It's not that complicated. So just a quick recap. Get some good shoes that are comfortable, fit well, good enough for the terrain you're going to be doing. Understand the motivation behind why you're running. Set some goals, get an emotional investment into that why. That'll help you keep on track when things get hard. Get yourself a program, whether that's a free couch to 5K, consult a run coach like myself. All right, obviously there are free programs online as well, in places like Runner's World and stuff. Again, it doesn't need to be over complex, okay? Just a slow increase of mileage week on week, just as you build the confidence in running for longer and longer. Then from there, make sure you stay consistent with your training. That's how you're going to get results. Make sure you do a warm-up and a cool-down. Again, five to ten minutes warm-up, three to five-minute cool-down. And make sure you do some strength training at least a couple of times a week to make sure you've got good balance of muscles and joints. And like I said, 
your body's then going to be able to meet the demand that you've got on it through running. All right. Boom. That's it. Not that hard. All right. If you've got any questions on this, please get in touch. If you need me to expand on any of those topics, especially strength work. Again, I'll post a few videos, some example exercises in the notes for this. All right. So if you're just getting into running, have a look at those. Let me know how you get on. All right. If there's anyone out there that's dealing with pain or struggling to keep running consistent because of niggles and injuries, please get in touch. All right. I'll have to give you some advice on how to get over that. Like I said, if you need a run coach, I'm here for you. All right. And if you guys could just give this video a like and a share, that'd be really appreciated too, so that we can make sure we're getting this information out to as many runners as possible. So there we go. First podcast down. All right. Uh, so we'll be keeping this going every week. So every Tuesday, I'll chuck these out. Um, and yeah, any questions at all based on what you've just uh, seen or heard, if you're listening to it on the podcast or on YouTube, um, then just please get in touch, chuck me a comment, chuck me a message, and I promise I will get back to you. All right. Until then, guys, I will see you next week.